0: Good morning and welcome to our assembly where we promise preaching and teaching from the text of Scripture. We are convinced there is no other way to provide for the spiritual needs of those who come to this place. And so we open God's Word today, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia. And he was directed by the Spirit to address several matters of importance, all of them related. Some of what Paul needed to write about would be the following. There is one gospel, and only one gospel. Paul was an apostle not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul said to those in Galatia and to us, it is not by the law of Moses that one is justified now. Rather, it is by the activity of faith in Christ. This truth is God's plan given for man's response And one purpose of God's plan is to take people away from the works of the flesh. I'm now in Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry... Sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. One of the inordinate dangers every one of us need to face is reading a passage like this And almost immediately, a mental, emotional mechanism kicks in and we quickly dismiss ourselves from any guilt about any of this. And I'm talking now about anyone who reads the Bible. Unbelievers, incorrect believers, modern, secular, generic, evangelicals, denominational people, and yes, Christians, including every single one of us. The danger to be acknowledged is to read this, and as soon as you get to the period at the end of verse 21, we have placed ourselves outside the scope of anything in this list. And part of this mechanism may be that we see some of these in large, bold type. Sorcery, idolatry, orgies. We have this internal conversation with ourselves that is very often self-justifying about everything in the list. That offers to us a very quick acquittal. And these things stand out in bold relief and help us dismiss ourselves from the entire text. I've never practiced sorcery, I wouldn't ever bow down to an idol, I would not attend anything like an orgy. The King James has murders. The New International Version uses the word debauchery. It's very easy to read this, and the more you think about it, the more distance You put between yourself and the passage, debauchery, me? We say to ourselves and maybe we even say to others, are you kidding me? You think I would do any of this? I tell you, this is a danger, a temptation every one of us in this building right now need to face. Not only in Galatians 5, but in Romans chapter 1, in Ephesians chapter 4. There is this defensive impulse whereby we protect ourselves from any conviction of sin. It is not that we don't know what the words mean. We express our disfavor. We see these sins present in the lives of others, and we certainly see them reported by society in general, but this deceptive, protective mechanism goes to work And our response often is, Who? Me? Listen to me carefully, please. And I need to listen to myself as I say. If the Bible is to do me any good, I've got to read it with personal humility and objectivity in order to really trust in Christ and repent and purge out any remnant of sin, I've got to read passages like this without immediately excusing myself from every bit of it. The Bible says in John sixteen eight that the Holy Spirit was sent to the writers to convict the world of sin. In the book of Acts, when people heard the gospel and said, What must I do to be saved? That was about being saved from sin. But to be saved from it, one must admit guilt without any excuse, without anything attached to it. So listen again. This time, let's concentrate on the possibility that at some level... Part of this may convict us. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Sexual immorality means any sexual thoughts and activity not according to what God has said on the subject. We have to understand that God, the Creator, has said something about male and female relationships. God has said something about that. The world we live in doesn't have much to say about it one way or the other, or maybe in many different ways. No rules, anything is okay, do whatever you want. God has spoken about male, female relationships and God put sex in marriage. Hebrews thirteen four. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. There just isn't any doubt God puts sex in marriage. Not in the backseat of a car for the pleasure of unmarried teens. Not in a motel room with someone you're not married to. Not on a screen for viewing. And not just something two friends do without the permanent marriage commitment that God gave. God put sex in marriage. And when people engage in sexual activity outside of where God put it, let's not hesitate to identify it. As sin and a work of the flesh. If you're not guilty of that, good, teach others. If you're guilty, repent and stop doing what God has forbidden. Impurity is an inclusive word designed to identify anything that takes heart and body away from the purity and holiness that God wants in His people. It might be a thought, a word, a gesture, a form of entertainment, or even innuendo. It would include that which is inappropriate between males and females, or between people of the same sex. People who are trained in righteousness and who cherish wisdom from God know what this is. They search their hearts about it. In some translations, it's uncleanness. The identification of this sin will do me no good if I don't stop at least to examine my thoughts and words and actions and in the future take note. Sensuality is an appeal to the carnal, the sensual. It is about what feels good. Sensuality. Though it's wrong, it is about what feels good. Idolatry is what we are guilty of when we let anything or anyone stand between us and God. Did you hear that? Idolatry is what we're guilty of when we let anything or anyone stand between us and God. Money can become an idol. A person that you are inordinately attached to, a person you celebrate can become an idol. A concept can become an idol, a career, any pursuit, anything or anyone standing between you and God. The Spirit guides us away from idolatry, but we have to listen to what the Spirit has revealed, and if guilty, we have to stand convicted and repent. And let me tell you, when you see this word idolatry, don't think of just Baal or a pagan statue made of wood or metal. Anything that takes you or me away from the worship and obedience we owe to God. Idolatry. Sorcery has to do with witchcraft being occupied with a fantasy world where imagination and deception corrupts you and destroys your trust in God. Now remember that I'm in the English Standard Version, and so the words in your translation may only be similar, not exactly the same, but starting at the middle of verse 20, and into the first part of verse 21, I want you to listen to these words in the English Standard Version, and be listening for what they might have in common. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and envy. I want to illustrate that. What if you're hiring someone to work in your business? And as is customary, you ask for a resume... And you look at that resume and you have information and you research the background on the person applying for the position and this is what you discover not on the resume but in the background and in the references you consult. You discover that the applicant makes enemies everywhere he goes, creates strife, is known for jealous fits of anger, and the applicant is competitive in the worst way, loves to cause division, and everywhere they've worked, they've left that workplace divided. You're not going to even entertain the idea of hiring that person. We sometimes use the phrase, conduct, unbecoming, unsuited to the workplace when you bundle all these things together it's easier to dismiss yourself from any guilt when you look at the whole package it's easy to say well i don't live that way but take a closer wo- look and isn't it worthy of note that of these works of the flesh eight of them have to do with selfishness that creates conflict and relationships See, there are the carnal sensual pursuits which are centered in fleshly gratification. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. There's idolatry that occurs when something or someone stands between you and God. Sorcery, that fascination with an imagined world the devil can use to seduce you and turn you. Then, as they appear in the translation, I'm using eight expressions which have to do with immature, self-centered behavior that creates conflict and tension among people. The Spirit leads us away from these attitudes and behaviors through our personal attention to the Word of God. But the Spirit's purpose is defeated if as soon as I read the passage... I dismiss myself of any guilt regarding anything that's there. Well, so do this. Maybe, maybe you've never been drunk. You're not guilty of idolatry. Have you ever been jealous? Does anger ever get the best of you? and is released without discipline? Rivalry? Maybe just in your mind, seeking to stand above others and defeat others and hold yourself high with inordinate pride and being supercritical of others in order to elevate and celebrate yourself? Who me? Could be, I need to acknowledge the possibility and then let the Word of God search my heart and my life. Then in verse 21, there are these two behaviors which share in common an absence of discipline and self-control, drunkenness and orgies, intoxicating the mind dulls the senses and can reduce inhibitions. Anything which accomplishes that effect of dulling the senses and reasoning capacity cannot be justified by people who've decided they're going to serve God faithfully. I read this a few years ago, not written by a preacher, Dr. Haven Emerson of Columbia University the higher qualities of the mind are the very first to be rubbed out by alcohol. The delicate capacities of intellectual decision and choice and discretion and willpower are those faculties which are first dulled and then wiped out by alcohol because they are the least capable of withstanding its toxic Poisonous effect. In our society, drunkenness and orgies are about one thing, having a good time, against the greater interest of being sober and mature and well-behaved before God. According to the Bible, these are the results when you let the flesh lead you rather than the spirit. These are the works of the flesh. Which is to say, when your mind is governed by fleshly desires, rather than the healthy desires revealed by the Holy Spirit, you are vulnerable and you are open to these attitudes and behaviors. And Paul wants us to know this. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. My main point this morning is this word from God, this revelation of the Holy Spirit through Paul will do us no good at all if we just quickly read it and dismiss any personal conviction about any of it. Just take the whole package and toss it under the assumption Who, me? That mechanism that says, Who, me? Is a deceptive weapon of the devil. He wants us to do this. He wants us to come to Galatians 5, 19 through 21 and glance at it and browse it and say, I've never had anything to do with sorcery and then toss the entire text. We can't let that happen. The devil wants us to Close to the door of conviction, but he doesn't want us to go through that door and be convicted. He wants to torment us. We just have to say no to the devil. The greatest power of discipline and restraint you can have in your life is to walk by the Spirit. Which will always mean, which will always mean learning and living the word delivered by the Spirit. I know out in in our secular world there are techniques and books and programs, and men and women have developed all kinds of things. There are pagan religions which offer severe measures to curb the desires of the flesh. There is nothing as powerful or more powerful than to walk by the Spirit. This is God's way to take you out of sin and keep you out of sin and prepare you for heaven. Reminders are good for us, like this one. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I know that. And you know that. Are we just going to say. Who me? Once guilt is admitted. It can be removed. By trusting and obeying Jesus Christ. Who died for us as the supreme act of God's grace. Will you respond while we stand together to sing.